So I'm going to offer a little bit of kind of orientation to begin, and then we'll do the traditional ceremony of taking the refuges and precepts as a way to create the container that we'll be holding together. And then we'll do some meditation and we're off. We've started. I was thinking during the uh, time between our first meeting earlier and now of a quote from Carl Jung, which I don't remember exactly, but it's something about the, the job, the aim, something like that of being human is not about perfection, but it's about wholeness. And it struck me that this is a really useful uh, framework for us to hold as we begin, that we're not engaging in this practice to try to be perfect, to try to get it right, to try to even get anything or become anyone. But we're here in this practice of being here, being here again and again as a way of inviting this quality of wholeness, this quality of full invitation for all of us. And this, uh, or this um, framework that we're using of these three centers of the mind, the heart, the body is one way to understand or one way to frame what's meant by that kind of wholeness that we're inviting all of these dimensions of ourself. That there is an an attitude that we begin with of, I sometimes think of as a kind of radical inclusivity. not including the um, the dog chewing on his bone in my radical inclusivity. So we, there's a, there's a reorientation that I think is really helpful for us to consider as we enter a retreat. And it is a reorientation, we could say, in the broadest way from a sort of familiar way of engaging with perfection with trying to get it right and instead turning toward this inclusivity this kind of wholeness Mm. 
I sometimes talk about this as a shift from our usual mode of living in a kind of horizontal plane. Horizontal is the world in which we are moving along the surfaces of things, where we are looking to get from point A to point B. And instead, as we enter retreat, we're looking to reorient from horizontal to vertical. That we are in the framework of the head, the heart, the body, we're looking to invite ourselves to drop down. (laughs) In our model of it, we're actually starting at the bottom, right? Starting with the belly, with the body. And what we're learning here is not to get it right, but to mm, shift our relationship to all of our experience. So one of the ways that we usually think about things, our normal orientation is is much more about the what. So what am I gonna get? What's gonna happen? We're really interested in that dimension of our experience. And on retreat, the invitation is to shift from looking to achieve or accomplish a certain kind of experience or state of mind or state of heart or state of body, and instead to welcome all of it. And the training is a training of not so much what, but how. How do we meet each moment? How do we meet the mind that is, uh, Eugene said earlier, the mind that's having fun, that's enjoying what's happening. And how do we meet the mind that is not? Can we be present for all of it? This is not our usual orientation. (laughs) You all know this. Our usual orientation is trying to get all of what's pleasant and get away from all of what's not pleasant. And then we come on retreat and we wonder why we're so tired. It's quite an exhausting project. And so here we get to do this dropping in, this shifting from getting and getting away from to resting, to relaxing, as Eugene said earlier, with all of it. Opening, receiving, allowing the fullness of our experience, the wholeness of who we are. And this amazing thing happens that's so... For me, it's always a surprise, which is that when we fully allow ourselves to enter, to embody, to embrace, to allow a moment, whether it's a pleasant moment or an unpleasant one or something in between, when we allow ourselves to do that kind of dropping into a moment, The, the moment opens. 
the moment expand, to the moment reveal something. And it's not a something that's a, that's a kind of a what, like, you know, flashing lights or I don't know what one might imagine if you imagine the, the moment opening. It's not that kind of thing. It's a how. When, we, when the moment opens, what shifts is that we discover the capacity to be here in a way that we might not have been able to imagine. For me, anyhow, this is, it's almost always a surprise. Or another way to say it is it's something I forget about. Over and over, I forget. And it takes uh, all of us actually coming together in this way, giving ourselves fully to open that possibility. So one of the ways that we support ourselves and each other in this reorientation, in this opening to something that's possible that we may not have remembered for a while or perhaps ever experienced is that we create a space. We create a kind of sacred holding container for this, we could say work, for this practice that we are doing together. And each of us does our own work. Nobody can do your practice for you. And yet, we don't practice alone. And we have the opportunity to discover this in a very beautiful way as we engage in retreat. And again, it's a little, it's an, it's an odd situation, right? Usually we're creating a space <laughs> that is confined by walls. And here we have this really interesting opportunity to see what is it like to create, to create a, a sacred space, to create a holding container that doesn't have any walls, that is fully made of our intentions, of our wholehearted effort, of our care and devotion, our dedication, our willingness to keep being here again and again relaxing more and more into the moment and allowing the moment to open, to expand. So we do this traditionally, this creating of the container, as I was saying before, uh, in two ways. And the first is by taking refuge. For those who are newer to the practice, um, the refuges are sometimes referred to as the triple treasure or the three jewels. And we take refuge in 
the Buddha, Dharma, and Sangha. These are the three jewels. Some of you who know me know that I often tell this story of when I was a young Zen student <laughs> and we did a chant when we would eat. And there was a line in the chant about uh, the triple treasure, which is this Buddha Dharma Sangha. And one day someone gave a lecture and told us what the triple treasure was. And I remember the woman who was sitting next to me in the meditation hall uh, leaned over and whispered. She said, I thought the triple treasure was breakfast, lunch, and dinner. <laughs> Which when you're on retreat, it sometimes feels that way. The meals are, you know, the main entertainment. <laughs> but the real triple treasure is Buddha Dharma Sangha. And we take refuge in these. What does that mean? This again, it's a kind of radical reorientation because so often in our lives, what we take refuge in, where we place our faith, our trust, our hope for happiness, for freedom, for a sense of peace is, you know, what's the line from the song? Looking for love in all the wrong places. We imagine that if only, if only I could have fill in the blank, you have your favorites. If only I could have a better job or partner or body or whatever it is, more of this and less of that. If only then. But these things that we tend in a kind of conventional way to put our faith in, to, to look for as, as refuge, we know are unreliable. It doesn't mean they're bad. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't wish for yourself and, and make some effort to have a home, to have a relationship, to have a job that is lovely, meaningful, supportive, all of that. But to imagine that that's where real happiness is found, that's where we get mixed up. And so these refuges are pointing us in a different direction. They're pointing us towards, toward what's worth relying on. And so we take refuge in the Buddha as the historical person, the example of someone who woke up. 2,600 years ago. And we take refuge in the seed of that potential, in our inner Buddhahood, in that possibility that sits in each of us. And we give ourselves to that as we engage in retreat. We remember that that possibility of freedom, of true happiness is, is here, waiting to be discovered for each of us. This is refuge in Buddha. And we take refuge in Dharma, which is traditionally understood as the Buddha's teachings. And we'll be offering some of the Buddha's teachings over this week. But also the word Dharma in its simplest definition means truth. And this is, as we've been speaking of it already, this is really what we're focusing on, that we're inviting us all to take refuge on 
take refuge in the truth and not the some cognitive idea of truth, but the actual living truth of what's happening each moment. What's happening for you in your mind, in your heart, in your body. Can you take refuge in that? Not because you like it or you don't like it, because, but because it's what's happening. You're taking refuge in your life as your life. Again, this is a kind of radical reorientation for us and a beautiful one. So in this way, we take refuge in Buddha, we take refuge in Dharma, and we take refuge in Sangha. Sangha means community. And it was, at the time of the Buddha, it referred to what was called the fourfold Sangha the Sangha of monks and nuns and lay men and lay women. The Buddha is reputed to have said, I will not pass away, meaning he wouldn't die until he was confident in the establishment of this fourfold Sangha. He understood the importance of not just the potential for awakening and the teachings, but that that shows up in us, in human beings, in human beings living and grappling and practicing together. And so for our purposes, we take refuge in this Sangha, (laughs) this strange virtual community that we have that we will allow ourselves to lean into to be supported by. And as we orient in this way, taking refuge in Sangha, we we begin to feel this truth viscerally in in our tissue. We begin to feel the truth of our deep connectedness. We begin to feel the truth that we don't practice alone. So there's one more thing I want to say about refuge and then we'll do, I'm going to um, do a screen share and we'll do a chanting together of the refuges. The word refuge, the, the Latin word refuge is refuge and it means to fly back. And it's a, it's a wonderful instruction for us because where are we flying? We're not flying somewhere else. We're flying back here, here. And some of you may know there is uh, on the big island of Hawaii, there's a, there's a physical place. It's called the City of Refuge. I remember visiting there some many years ago. And there's a story about the, the City of Refuge, which is that it's a little spit of land. It's a little peninsula, this place. And uh, way back when, when it was functioning in this way, it was a place where if if you had behaved badly, if you had, you know, messed something up, if you had done harm in some way within the community and you could get yourself to the city of refuge, which was not a small task, you know, to get to this little spit of land, then 
you were forgiven. Hmm. So I wanted to add this into the, the field that we're creating here together. This understanding that wholeness rather than perfection means we're going to mess up. We're going to, you know, get distracted. We're going to get tired. We're going to absolutely have this urge to check our email, whatever it is. You know, we're not going to be able to be perfect and that's okay. Because the spirit of the practice, the spirit of this idea of refuge is that whatever happens, we can be forgiven and we can enter here with this understanding that no matter how many times we get lost, we get confused, we get tired, whatever it is, we can begin again, begin again. So we practice, we fall off, we forgive ourselves, we begin again. This is the actual path. And this is all embedded in this understanding of what it means to take refuge. So I'm going to try this experiment (laughs) called sharing my screen. Let's see. I'm clicking on my desktop. Let's see if I can pull it over. Oh. Uh, Share. Let's see. I think I have to share my screen this way. Let's see if this works. Where is it? There we go. Can you see that? Yes. Oh, good. Okay. So um, these are the refuges, and they are. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna chant them in Pali, and um, usually we would do this in a kind of call and response but we can't do that on Zoom. So what we'll do instead is uh, you will stay muted and I will chant in Pali and you are welcome to um, join with your voice or join by just taking in the sound. Um, And we'll just, I'll chant one line at a time, the first part three times and then each of the refuges after and we'll uh, engage it with it together in that way. So please, please join along as feels appropriate. Namo tasa bhagavato abhato samma sambuddhasa Namo tasa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhasa. 
Namo tasa bhagavato avarhato sammasambuddhasa Buddham saranam gachami Dhammam saranam gachami Sangham saranam gachami Dutiyam pi Buddham saranam gachami Nutiyam pidamham saranam gachami. Dutiyam pisangham saranam gachami. Tatiyam pibudam saranam gachami. Tatiyam pi damam saranam gachami. Tatiyam pi sangham saranam gachami. Can you hear that bell? Yeah, great. So after we take refuge in the Buddha, the Dharma, the Sangha, we then take the five precepts. And the precepts are the ethical guidelines that the Buddha created for living in community may not be obvious to us now, but 2,600 years ago when the Buddha was teaching, it was quite an unusual thing to have a community of people practicing together. Most of the time, the kind of spiritual seekers in India at that time were wandering sadhus. They were individuals who were wandering around the countryside. And so as the Buddha collected these communities of people to practice together, he offered them some guidelines for how to live together in a way that was uh, sane and kind. And the, the overarching precept is the precept of do no harm. So each of these precepts is a way of inviting us to non-harm, non-harming. And the five of them are the precept of not killing or honoring life, the precept of not stealing, not taking what isn't given, but in appreciating what is offered, the, preci the precept of not misusing sexuality, but really honoring our energy, our 
bodies and our relationships. The precept of not lying or not engaging in false speech. This is really a precept that is pointing us to the potency of truth, the potency of being really honest with ourselves. And finally, the precept of non-intoxication, not engaging in taking substances or uh, engaging in activities that cloud the mind, that disperse this beautiful clarity and spaciousness that lives in us as our own awareness. That as we don't follow the urges to mm, take in, whether it's substances or information, that we open to the possibility of discovering the beauty of what's already here. And so these precepts can be understood both in terms of their, the negative, the do not, and also in the Zen tradition that I grew up in, they have this phrase of there's the do not, and then the decidedly do. (laughs) So there's a side of don't, take life, don't kill, but do, not just do, but decidedly do, honor and appreciate aliveness, life. Don't take what's given, what's not given, but do appreciate the generosity of the world itself, each moment that's offered to you, and so on. So for our purposes, we engage these precepts. Primarily, they were understood as a relational practice, as a way of not doing harm between humans. And if we were together on a retreat, this would also be in some way more obvious. But here we are on a screen. And so it seems, it feels to me that the aspect of these precepts that also is about how we relate to ourselves uh, becomes even more pronounced in a way. That not killing means as we practice, not crushing, subduing, judging, trying to get rid of any part of our experience. That not taking means not clinging or grasping or trying to get more than what's here, but really appreciating each moment of our own experience. And not misusing sexuality means for the purposes of retreat, it's really about not suggesting that sex or sexuality is a bad thing but understanding that this is a potent, powerful energy in each of us 
And while we're on this retreat, dedicating ourselves to really channeling all of that life force energy, that vital energy toward our practice, toward our insight, our understanding, our awakening. When we talk about the precept of refraining from false speech, we, we traditionally talk about entering what's called noble silence when we enter a retreat. And so it's more obvious, again, when we're all together in a single space, but you are invited to participate in this beautiful practice of noble silence, of really refraining from not just false speech, but from speaking as best you can in the circumstances that you're in. And as you practice this precept of refraining from false speech or from being honest means really noticing the places in your own mind where you may be mm, not being completely honest with yourself, where you might be exaggerating or um, discounting. And what would it mean to be really honest with yourself about what is happening right now. <laughs> Think about how often people say, how are you? And they say, fine. Well, this is an opportunity to drop below that. Now, what is fine? What is actually happening? Can I be really honest with myself about what's here? And finally, when we are refraining from intoxicating, can we be, can we notice the many ways in which we kind of skitter away from what's here, whether it is by, you know, again, for many of us, we go to social media, say, or watching TV, or surfing the internet, or so all of that, we're asking, no, don't do that during this period of time. But also, maybe the mind goes to fantasy or worry or planning or there's all of these ways in which the mind is uh, the purity, the beauty of the mind itself becomes, uh, can, can be, we can distract ourselves from being able to become aware of that. So in terms of intoxication, you will notice for yourself what, what that means beyond don't don't take drugs or drink and of course if you if you take medication which i do for a medical condition please take your medication this is that's not what this is about but to begin to pay attention to the many ways in which we might try to um, tinker with our state of mind rather than as the instruction has been so far to be with. And just remembering this instruction about non-perfection, that if you, uh, just like the people who went to the city of refuge, if you mess up sometimes, it's okay. <laughs> you can be forgiven. You can begin again. The precepts are here for it to help us pay attention 
to help us wake up and notice what's happening. They're not here as a way to kind of slap you on the wrist or judge you or have you judge yourself. So I'm gonna invite us to, I'm gonna, again, I'll say them out loud. And as I speak the precepts, inviting you to um, say them for yourself as well. Um, and at the end of taking the precepts, that is, we'll be sort of formally entering into the, the sacred space that we're creating of the retreat. I undertake the training to refrain from intentionally taking life. I undertake the training to refrain from taking that which is not given. I undertake the training to refrain from misusing sexuality. I undertake the training to refrain from false speech. I undertake the training to refrain from intoxication that clouds the mind. And I'll hand off again to uh, Eugene. So we'll have a sit to end the evening as we... Um, enter the formal retreat. I'll give a few words, though, before the sitting. Um, and it's really a little bit of a repeat of what was said by Pam. What does it mean to enter the retreat fully and give yourself to it fully, completely, wholeheartedly? Such a beautiful phrase from the Zen tradition about what it means to practice and um, and the sincerity in which you give yourself, um, I believe it was Suzuki Roshi who one of his students was asking about enlightenment and had some deep experience and 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 asked Suzuki Roshi is that enlightenment and. She said, no, that's not enlightenment. And he said, but don't worry about the experience. If your practice is sincere, that's good enough. And so trust your heart this week. Trust your heart in the moment that you're already here. And you're here because 
you want to be here or something in your heart has drawn you to be here and give yourself to the retreat quite fully. And it's always, for me, it's always uh, an interesting moment that I've done many retreats over the last 40 years. But there's still, every retreat is brand new. And and so there's still a, a, a new giving each day, each time, each retreat. And and the, the part that's slightly odd is it's a little like jumping off of a cliff. And by that, I mean, we don't know what's going to happen. And that's true. And that's true for each of us. And that's true for, for Pam and myself. We don't know what's going to happen. We'll see as we allow the retreat to do itself and then learn from the Dharma because it's the Dharma that's going to do us. It's not us who does the Dharma. So please take a formal posture, however you would like to sit. And because we're starting with the body, please find your body. And being mindful of the body is not from a distance. It means to be mindful by feeling or sensing or directly experiencing the somatic, kinesthetic, energetic experience of being alive. And it's right here, however it displays itself to you. There's not any way that it's supposed to be. See how it is right now. And the only other instruction for these few minutes is to relax with however it is. Whether it's pleasant or unpleasant or neither pleasant nor unpleasant. Be mindful of this physical, somatic, energetic aliveness that's sitting in your seat.
So our schedule says for some of us, it's time to rest or sleep. If you have energy, please feel free to continue practicing. Uh, And even if you are going to sleep, um, it's really great to practice in bed. You can do lying down meditation. And it's kind of a win-win. If you if you meditate, it's good. And if you fall asleep, it's not a problem, right? And so it's a great way to meditate. And also, it's great as soon as you wake up, don't get out of bed, start meditating as soon as you wake up and see what happens. And then when you're ready to get up, you can, but it's, it's, where we want to encourage practicing 24-7 because we're giving ourselves to the retreat and there's the potential to stay aware and awake now. And now when you stand up and now when you move and now when you lay down and now when you go to sleep. And we'll see you again formally in the morning. So have a good Anything, whatever happens, have a good something. Okay. One last thing. Pam's gone already. Thank you, Pam. I realize it just it's a it's a good habit, Dharma habit, but just take a moment and offer the merit of our practice here today that we've had the good fortune to have this opportunity to come together on Zoom and to sit and practice and and uh, wake up with the Dharma and uh, appreciating our good fortune and wanting to let it go out in every way, in every direction, in every realm, in every world. May all beings be happy and peaceful May all beings be free from suffering, free from dukkha, free from misunderstanding the truth. May all beings awaken. May we awaken together. May all beings be free. See you tomorrow.